Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. It's good to be in the Lord's house this morning. We're uh, thankful for Beacon Baptist Church. Thank you for your pastor. Really thankful for his ministry here. And uh, been praying for you, preacher, as you recover. And looking forward to seeing what the Lord has in store for us this morning. We'll be in the book of Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. We'll have our text in verse number 1. The Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 2 begins, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this good morning. Thank you for the prayers that have already gone up to you. We pray now that you would just bless the reading of your word. I ask that you would just help me as I preach this morning, that you would just help me to say what you would have me to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul here is writing, and he writes, and he asks a very specific question. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we, we who are born again Christians, we who are in Christ, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, that grace may be frustrated, that grace may be a abused, that grace may abound. God forbid. This morning I'm going to be preaching, teaching on continuing in sin. Continuing in sin. Number one, how do we as Christians who have been bought by the blood of Christ continue in sin? What is something that we do to stay in the, the, the current place of sin. Number one, by living in self. The entire passage of Romans chapter 6 is dealing with this thought. We drop down to verse number 6 and he says this, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We see an undesirable position by living in self. Say, what, what, do I, what do I mean by that? We are still bound to sin of our own choosing. Because as a Christian, the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It is no longer a ball and chain in your life, but it is a choice that you must make as a Christian. There is time and time and time again that we believe in our own hearts that though we have been purged from our sin, though the old man is dead, though we are alive in Christ, yet we believe we should still serve the old master. The old master, we have given the illustration of her in times past of a, a job that you may have worked at before and, and it just wasn't desirable for whatever reason. Maybe you quit the job, whatever. You leave that job. You begin a new job. Monday morning, the phone rings. You pick it up. You say, hello. And it is the boss from the old job says, hey, I want you here at 8 a.m. such and such, such and such. You say, no, I'm not, I'm not, you are not my boss anymore. You are not who I answer to anymore. I answer to a new boss. I answer to a new master. And the same for those of us who are in Christ, we do not answer to the old master. We do not answer to that old nature. But many times we still believe as if we live underneath the scourge of that master. The telephone rings, we answer it up, and we go to work at a job we do not belong at. We go to service to a, to a master that we should not be serving and we are living in self. It's an undesirable position. We are still bound by sin by our choice, surrendered to our past. 
surrender to our past, not living in the future that we have been given of and from Jesus Christ. It's an undesirable position. It is an unreckoned death. Verse 11, he says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's coming to terms with your new life. See, whenever Jesus Christ died on the cross, He paid the debt of our sin. He, he gave us the opportunity to receive the new life. And whenever you receive that child of God, what you've done, if you've not only received a new life, a new future, but also a new history. You have a new history. When God looks at you, He does not see the sins of your past, but rather His Son on the cross. But rather, we look at our past and we see the old master, we see the old times, and we see that old bondage that we feel entitled to serve. And I tell you this morning, you do not belong in that position. You must come to terms with your new life in Christ, seeing yourself as Christ sees you as a new creation. Amen. We rejoice, we shout, we worship in being in Christ. We rejoice that the Father sees us as His Son. He sees us clean and washed and set free of sin. But then we look at ourselves and we say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And yes, you were a sinner that is now saved, but you are now a saint that can sin. You are no longer a sinner, child of God. You've accepted Christ. You are not in that old past anymore. You must see yourself as Christ says, because as long as you look inward and say, well, this is just who I am, I'm, I'm fundamentally flawed, that is where you will live. Right. The world has a term for this in, in different fields of psychology and in science. They call it a self-fulfilling prophecy. They say if, if you treat someone a certain way a, a long enough, then that's what they will become. If you look at yourself a certain way long enough, that's what you will be. And we see it in churches all throughout America today. People do not look at themselves as a new creation, but rather they label themselves by the past that they were set free from. And they continue in sin. Why? Because they do not view themselves as a child of God who has a right and heir to the throne of God, an entrance into the throne room of grace, but rather they see themselves as, oh, this is who I'll always be. This is who I am. It's my, it's my nature. It's, it's, who I, it's the family I'm kin to. It's an unreckoned death. You have not seen yourself as dead to sin. If we could only see it the way God sees it. Us going back to that old man, that, that, old, that old nature. We, we drive out, out here and a little bit more in the country. I'm from Casey now, and out there it's concrete. And I, I'm, from, I'm from Walterboro, South Carolina. You just have to understand, I grew up right next to dirt roads and backwoods is what I know. And, um, and something we saw a lot of back in Walterboro and out in the country, and you'll see it a lot more out here, is roadkill. You don't see it a whole lot in, in, in Casey, and thank God, because what it would probably be is probably not animals. But anyways, what, what you see out, you see that, and you're like, man, that's nasty. You say, where are you going with this? It's, it's dead. It's old. It's nasty. Your old man is dead. It's old. It's nasty. And for you to go back into sin, you are pulling up, digging up the carcass, climbing back in to the very thing that is dead and rotting and gone. 
and trying to walk around in a dead man's clothes, a dead man's body, a rotting, stinking carcass, and saying, you know, this is who I am. And God is looking out saying, what are you doing? That's dead. You say, no, no, this is good. This is fun. I'm enjoying this choice in my life. No, 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 that's, that's dead. That's stinking. That's terrible. Right. You've got to realize that the old man is dead, but also we see the undesirable position by living in self, the unreckoned death, and unresolved lordship in verse 12, following verse 11. He says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. By living in self, you're not only in the undesirable position of surrendering to your past, the unreckoned death, not looking and realizing the old man is dead, but you are also serving the very master that you are set free from. You are not surrendering to the lordship of Jesus Christ. By living, by continuing in sin, what we are doing is choosing to serve Satan. What we have done in this modern age is we've put a lot, of, a lot of nice labels on the things that we call that we are serving. Oh, I'm just serving my flesh, preacher. I'm just serving, the, it's just the pride in my life. I'm just serving my own lust. I'm just serving my own attitude. I'm just serving my family. If it's not Jesus Christ that you are serving, there is only two options. There are only two masters. It is Satan or Christ. You are serving one or the other. And it is an unresolved lordship. You are not surrendering to Jesus Christ. The Bible says no man can serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other. Can two walk together except they be agreed? For us to continue in sin, we are serving the wrong master. To continue in sin is to live in self, number one. But secondly, it is by loving simplicity. By loving simplicity. In verse 14, we see the Bible says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So we see a satisfied bondage. A satisfied bondage. The love of the simplicity, the love of the, the sitting down, the love of the complacent life, rather than fighting, waking up every single day, hanging up the phone on the old master, but rather going back and saying, well, this is simple, this is easy. Yes, it is, because that's your old nature, and it's easy to get drawn back into that. But you continue in your sin whenever you live in yourself and love the simplicity, the complacent life. A satisfied bondage, okay with being bound, not willing, not ready to change. Pastor, you've seen it time and time again. People come to you, they want help. They say, I want help, I want help. And you may say to them, well, are you ready to do this? You do obey the Bible here, do this and do this and do this. They, okay, they go their way and they do nothing that you said to do. They do nothing that the Bible says to do. They want the change, but not willing to do it. They're not willing to leave the bondage because of the work that it takes. They live the simplicity, the complacent, the lackadaisical lifestyle. They are satisfied with their bondage. They are satisfied where they are, not willing, not ready to change. It's as if walking into the jailhouse, been to the, been to the jail places with you, brother, and we've gone in there and you see those that have, they've lived in many years in, in a place of confinement. And, and they would give anything to be free. 
It's as if walking into them, giving them the key and saying, here it is. You can walk out and them saying, okay, I appreciate it. And just going back to their life. With it sitting there, and, and Christians today are doing the same thing. They are free. They are free from their sin. They are free from their bondage. And yet they live in it, in it as if this is what they belong. This is who they are. And we have shied away from a sinless perfection, but we have with it thrown away a sinless provision. We live as if we cannot go one day without the sins of our past catching up and binding us. When God says, there is therefore now no condemnation, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we say, no, no, I, I'm the, I'm the I, 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 excuse to that. I am the, I'm the, 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 I, I, the one who does not, that does not apply to me. I'm the one who is, who is different. That is, that is not me. And we throw away scripture after scripture after scripture of freedom and righteousness because we think we are the exception to the rule. And we hold our pet sin and say, no, this is who I am. This is what I have chosen to do. And we live satisfied in our bondage, but also with a superficial righteousness. In verse 15 following, he says, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. The, 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 the verse 1 John 1, 9, for if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is in the book, but it is not there for you to abuse. It is not there for Christians and child, children of God to abuse and say, well, you know, in the moment of our sin, the conviction comes, the Holy Spirit speaks to your soul. And you say, yeah, 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 oh, well, I'll get right about that whenever I'm done having my fun. I'll get right about that when I'm done throwing my temper tantrum, raging, and enjoying soaking in my bitterness, my gossip, my lust, after I've scrolled a few more websites, after I've said a few more things, after, I'll get right about it later. Because 1 John 1, 9 is still in the book. He says, no, 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 no. Just because we live under grace doesn't give you the ticket to sin. But thousands and millions of Christians have chosen to live a superficial righteousness, abusing the grace that God has given, pretending it's all okay when it's really not, confessing the guilt and not the sin. Confession of guilt, that feeling of regret, that feeling of guilt, you, you got caught. God, I'm sorry about that. Make me, make me feel better. May I remind you that confession of sin, the word confess means to say the same thing as the accuser, as the Holy Spirit. That is sin. That is adultery. That is lust. That is anger. That is bitterness. But rather we come and we confess our guilt. We say, God, I'm sorry for you know, how, how I feel. God, I'm sorry about that thing. And we like to put all the nice little labels on it once again. To avoid truthfulness with God. To avoid true confession. It's, it's, just, it's just something that I do. It's just my temperament. It's a syndrome. <laughs> and we avoid, we, we, we avoid confession of what truly God wants us to say. And we live a superficial righteousness. A satisfied, bondage, superficial righteousness. And end up with a somber emptiness. In verse 21, the Bible says this. Speaking of those who all throughout chapter 6, it's hit on it time and time again, continuing in sin. 
He says, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Verse 23, it touches on it again, and it says, For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as Christians who are new in Christ, we love and rightfully should shout about the new life in Christ. And we do, but once again, many times we leave the church doors and walk once again into the step, the rut of our sin, the rut of our old life, and we do not live free from the sin. See, this is a law placed in place by God. And something about a law of God, the wage of sin being death, is that it applies to a Christian as much as it does to a lost man. The laws of God put in place in the Bible apply to everyone. That is why a lost man can work hard and be successful, is because the sluggard does not prosper. This is why someone who is wise will, will prosper in their life, because the, the book of Proverbs says it time and time and time again. It works for everyone. What goes up must come down because God says so. And though the wage of sin is death as much as it is for the sinner in a literal dying lake of fire burning with brimstone, in your life everything dying around you, Christian, because you choose to live in sin, continuing in sin. Nothing to show for your life and hard work to sin. That slaving away, that serving sin, that going back once and again, putting in the hours, putting in the time, but to the wrong master, what do we have? A shame in this. What do we have? Guilt. Does this produce fruit of the Spirit, I ask you? Because he talks about a fruit here. He says, he says, what fruit had ye then in those things? Those things, those sin things that you have served time and time again. What's, what's the fruit that you have? What's the fruit that you have? Because we're supposed to be bearing fruit by your fruit. By their fruit you shall know them. You're supposed to be bearing fruit. So, so what, what fruit is it, is it bringing about? Is it bringing about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance? Is it bringing about these fruits? Does this, fill in the blank, produce fruit of the Spirit? When we use that template to judge our own life, is this choice going to further my production of the fruit of the Spirit? Does this idea, does this, uh, does this phrase I'm about to say, does this feeling, does this music, does this movie, does this website, does this place of, of uh, enjoyment and play, does this going to bring about the fruit of the Spirit or not? It's all over and all that's left is shame. At the judgment seat of Christ, will you present to Him and after the fires have licked up the times of flesh, what will be left? Wood, hay, and stubble which will burn up, or gold, silver, precious stone. All that is left to the service of Satan is only pain. It is only guilt. It is only emptiness. And we know this. We know this. Why? Because we've heard it time and time and time again. But yet I tell you, it still applies to our lives today. As a Christian, you sin, you lose your salvation, absolutely not. But many Christians would do them well as if they would live as if they could lose it. And stop frustrating grace. 
Stop playing around with the grace of God. Stop playing around with the forgiveness of God and come to him as a thrice holy God that he is and repent and turn away from our sins and live the life that he has given us to live. We continue in sin by living in ourself, by loving simplicity, and lastly, by leaving space. By leaving space. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place, no space whatsoever. That door that's just cracked open a little bit that you left open in that thought that ran through your head, in that conversation you had that with that coworker, that website that's been pulled up, that movie that's been played, that music that's played in the truck, that, that, that door has been opened, the place is given, space is open for the devil to come in. We look at our families, we look at our churches, and we wonder why the devil is taking them by the droves away from the preaching of sound word of God, away from the scriptures of God, away from a holy lifestyle. It's because someone is leaving place. Someone is leaving space. Someone is leaving the door open. It's time to shut the doors, close it up, turn it off, click it out, throw it away. Take time to be holy. Does it mean enough to you? To save your life doesn't mean enough to you to save the lives of your children, the lives of your families, the lives of your future. You've got to stop leaving space. Leaving space, giving place to the devil by a living flesh. We jump back again all in verse chapter 6. We see in verse 6, he says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. It's as if all throughout here the Apostle Paul repeats himself over and over and over again. Why? Because it's trying to get through a bunch of Baptist thick skulls. That's why. And he tells us once again, he goes, by letting, letting the flesh live. Not crucifying the flesh. Paul speaks of crucifying the flesh, crucifying the old man daily, killing it daily. Why? Because it's a daily fight. It's not something that we, we just wake up one day and say, well, I'm never going to sin again. I'll never have that feeling again. I'll never be tempted ever again by those things. If Jesus was tempted, you're going to be tempted. The, the great prophet Elijah, subject to like passions as we are. Subject to like temptations as we are. Great men of God who we feel like we can never attain to their lifestyle. You look at your preacher, your preacher's wife, how do they have it all together? They face the same thing you do, but they decide to fight. They decide to crucify the flesh. It is something we must do. Let it stay on the cross. Stop taking it down to enjoy. Stop taking it down to play with. Don't go back. To it over and over and over. It's like saying that that prisoner we talked about, it's like them leaving the jail, but they, that man, that jail food now, that, that, that jail bed, man, you know, the, the, that, those facilities, ah, man, that, that's, that's going back to that. You say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Have, have you never been to Sheely's Barbecue? Have you never been, had a good cooked meal? Have you never sat at Grandmama's table? What are you doing going back there? Just feeding the flesh, letting it live, letting the old man lurk around and walk around. It's time to say, 
Go. Nope. Go. You go. You time to throw that away. Get that in the garbage. Not continuing. It's not in my house anymore. Turn it off. Shut it off. Throw it away. Get rid of it. Mute it out of your mind. Focus. Get in this word of God. Fill it up. Fill it up. Fill it up. What comes out is what's inside. There was a young man around him, and Christian young man, professed to know Christ. I believe he was saved. Around him, and something happened. And a swear word crossed his lips. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Man, that's not, that's not who I am. That's not what's in me. No, that is what's in you. That's what came out. When you let the living flesh have space, have place in your life, that is what will come out. We like to hide it, cover it up long enough, but eventually it will come out. A living flesh, a leaning attitude. And verse 16, he hits on it again. And he says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You make a decision on whether or not you will obey Christ or the old master. We touched on this a second ago. But he says, the, the one who you are serving, that's the servant. That's, that's who you belong to. That is who you've chosen to belong to. It's as if going back to that old job we talked about. Going in, clocking in your hours, working there, but you're, why are you here? You, you have on the wrong uniform. You're, you're, wearing, you're wearing the Christian uniform. What are you doing here? Well, I'm serving, I'm serving, I'm, I'm working, I'm doing this. Yes, you are their servant, but you don't belong here. You don't belong at this job. You don't belong in this area. You don't belong in this atmosphere. You don't belong in this decision. Whoever you lean to is the one you will lean on. And it is the one who will take you. I tell you this, both are very receptive in receiving masters. They will find you wherever you are and receive you. From the gutter to the church pew, they'll both take you. They'll both receive you. They'll both take your time. They'll both put in, let you put in the work. Both are very receptive. But the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. He says, come unto me, all ye who are weak and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Yet we lean to the old master. God help us. A living flesh, a leaning attitude, and lastly, a losing life. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. It's death for the sinner and an eternal lake of fire burning with brimstone in, in hell. For the Christian, it is a death of everything around you, everything you hold dear. It will kill your relationship with God. It will kill your relationship with your family. It will kill your relationship with your pastor. It will kill your relationship with your church. It brings death. There is pleasure in sin for a season. Yes, there is. But it's death. It will kill your worship. It will kill your Bible reading. You open the Bible, man, just words on a page. Why? 
It's killing you. It's killing us. It's killing churches. It's killing pastors. It's killing, it's killing teachers. It's killing Sunday school teachers. It's killing preachers' wives. It's killing members of the church. It's killing mamas. It's killing daddies. It's killing kids. The sin that they think they can play with. The sin that they think they can continue in because, oh, I'm, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. So I have that, that 1 John 1 9. I can, I, can, I can abuse grace. I can live how I want to live. I can still come, come to church and, and take a little time and pastor will kind of knock the bark off and I'll get my worship on and get to sing and shout a little bit and, and go back to the house and feel good about myself Sunday afternoon, get back in there and, and be ready Sunday night. Open, man, I'm just ready to have a good time in church Monday through Saturday. You're living like the devil. Right. More Christians today live like the devil than even the world. You say, well, how, how, how do you say that? The devil wasn't running around on his wife. The devil wasn't out there doing a bunch of things. like wasn't out there drinking, partying, carousing around. The devil was just filled with a bunch of pride. That was his problem. And Christians filled with our own pride thinking we can play around and play with sin. And get away with it. Continue in sin and still worship a thrice holy God. It's a losing life. We think it's under control, but it's just waiting to get a strong enough hold to destroy you for good. Ma'am, sir, you think you're hiding it away, keeping it, keeping it under wraps, and no one's found out about it so far. You're good to go. It's all all right, man. Nobody's found out about nothing. No one's found out about that. Fill in the blank. Nobody's found out about this, this certain sin you're hiding away, the, that and the other. I'm not, not going to put a name on it. Let the Holy Spirit do that. Yeah, you know what it's doing? It's perfectly fine being hidden. It's going to stay back. It's going to get bigger and stronger until it's ready to show itself. Because something we've learned about God and the devil is both of them want the glory. Sure. The devil is not satisfied with you playing around with his, with his toys without one day getting the advertisement for it. Right. Without one day pulling back the curtain and saying, it was me all along. It was me. And be sure your sin will find you out. If you pull it now, damage control is a lot smaller than by the time it decides to throw back its own curtain. Wait, and it'll soon be too late. So I ask you this morning, will you continue in sin? The Apostle Paul labors this point Time and time and time and time again. He labors it all throughout the chapter 6 here. Why? Will you? God forbid. God forbid. God help us. God help us as, as children of God to get back to where we're supposed to be. I pray this has been an encouragement or a warning to those here this morning. I'm not sure why God had me preach on just the subject of sin, continuing in sin. But may it, may it be a blessing to you this morning. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house, to open your word, and to be with your people. I pray now that you would bless them, Lord. Be with them. Be with their pastor as he's recovering, Lord. I pray that you would just place a healing hand on his life and on his family. Strengthen him for the days ahead, the, the work that you have laid out for him. I pray that you would bless each and every one here. Lord, I pray that you would help us to continue in you and not in sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.